Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. And I'm Laura Brodnick. Look, not to make this all about me right from the get-go, but I have been a bit sick. I feel like my voice might sound... Sexy? I think it does. It's like that episode <laughs> of Friends where Phoebe gets sick and all of a sudden she can sing in a real sultry voice and so yeah. she tries to get reinfected because you've been at home for many days. You've been I cleared. Have. We should just say that. But. I have. I have been on my couch pretty much consistently for the last seven days. I have devoured a lot of television, a lot of good television and a lot of not so good television. I've actually basically just been like completely unhinged on my Instagram sharing all of the stuff I'm watching. I've actually saved a bunch of recommendations as a highlight on my Instagram and I'm going to pop those on the Spill podcast Instagram today too so everyone can have a look at what I've been devouring. Yes because we have a Spill Instagram page where we're sharing like I mean I put up some weird stuff about me stalking Chris Hemsworth (laughs) the other day but apart from that there's actual recommendations on there. Do you have one standout just to give us an idea and then the rest we'll put on the Instagram and in the Facebook page? I watched Fire Island the Jane Austen inspired rom-com on Disney Plus yesterday and I absolutely loved it. Oh I haven't watched that yet okay but people have been telling me too so that's So good. good but today on the show we're going to talk about Chris Pratt, a man who we have many thoughts about. He's given an interview which is very much in line with trying to make him quote the people's Chris. So we have thoughts about that, but first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. So making news today, musician R. Kelly has been sentenced to 30 years in prison for sex trafficking women and girls. So the Grammy-winning singer and songwriter, whose full name is Robert Sylvester Kelly, was convicted of racketeering and sex trafficking last year and ordered to pay a fine of $100,000. At the trial this week, Kelly did not speak, but he has repeatedly denied these sexual abuse accusations. During the hearing, U.S. District Judge Anne Donnelly imposed Kelly's sentence after hearing from several survivors who attested to how his exploitation had really damaged and destroyed their lives. During the hearing, she said, although sex was certainly a weapon that was used, this is not a case about sex. It's a case about violence, cruelty and control. So on Mamma Mia today, we have published a full article with the full background of the crimes that R. Kelly committed and the timeline of how it came to light and what all of these survivors have been through trying to get justice for him over the years. So we will link that for you in the show notes. Well, in rom-com news, the first trailer for Julia Roberts and George Clooney's upcoming film Ticket to Paradise has been released today, with a pair play bitter exes who agree to put aside their differences and work together in order to stop their daughter, played by Caitlin Deaver, from getting married during a whirlwind trip to Bali. I'm sorry. I think your things are in my seat. Oh, sorry. 
Oh, come on. You've got to be kidding me. Excuse me, ma'am. I need to sit somewhere else. We used to be married. Worst 19 years of my life. We were only married for five. I'm counting the recovery. In four days' time... Our daughter's going to marry a guy she just met in Bali, millions of miles from home. She's throwing her career away. Just like her mother did. So I'm the only one who can stop her. She doesn't listen to him. Oh, champagne! Oh, two, please. Just leave the bottle. Thank you. I won't let her throw her life away. We need to trick her into dumping him. As much as this will pain us both, we have to call a truce to make this work. Just be in lockstep. Hey! Did you make a pact to not murder each other until you murder me first? We are here for you, my love. Yes, we're in lockstep. Yes. It looks so good. I have to admit, I'm very excited for this. It's like one of my favourite cinematic genres because it's Julia Roberts trying uh-huh. to stop a wedding. And we all know <laughs> yes. that that leads to movie gold. And it's George Clooney and Julia Roberts like getting the band back together from Ocean's 11 Days. And I was like really excited when I saw this trailer. Like my cheesy rom-com loving heart just rejoiced. Me too. It's also directed and written by Ole Parker, who did Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which a is a absolute classic, a truly iconic film. And it also has Billy Lord and Lucas Bravo, who is the hot French chef from Emily in Paris in it. Love. So just like an all-round great time. I feel like the expectations for the film are high because this is the movie that Julia Roberts said got her back into rom-coms. She actually said in a New York Times interview that this was the script that got her back into rom-coms after decades of avoiding them because quality scripts didn't exist which I just love as a quote. I know. I love that interview because the journalist like kind of doubles down just Mm. to make sure. He's like, are you actually saying that there has not been a good rom-com script written in 20 years? And she was like, (laughs) yes. The news also coincides with other news today in the rom-com realm. Cameron Diaz is returning to acting to star in a Netflix film called Back in Action alongside Jamie Foxx. And they're officially calling this an action comedy, but I'm holding out hopes that there are some rom-com vibes too. Yeah, exactly, because that was very much Cameron Diaz's genre for so long. And I guess, like, she never officially said, I'll never act again. But Mm. when she and Benji Madden, I get the Maddens confused, welcome their daughter, Radix. Great name. How did I not know that? That's the babe, Radix, yeah. Oh, goodness. So what, her name is Radix... (laughs) Madden? Madden? Radix Madden? I'm Radix Maddox, (laughs) but it's not. It's Radix Madden great name. Interesting. Um, she just said that she had no interest in acting anymore and she's been all about like her wine company and stuff but I guess you know maybe this was the script that she had also waited 20 years for. Yeah and she's starring alongside Jamie Foxx who was actually her co-star in her final film Annie which is in 2014 which is right. that's a long time ago I can't believe it's been that long and then this is all extra exciting to me because it reminds me of the fact that earlier this year we had J-Lo in Marry Me which was just incredibly cheesy and like I just loved it so much and I just feel like rom-coms are back. Yeah which is interesting because a lot of people have said like big tentpole movies like Marvel movies like mm. our good friend Chris Pratt is in have <laughs> destroyed the fact that rom-coms are not big business at the box office anymore which is kind of true so I think that's why they're bringing all of these names like Jennifer Lopez and Julia Roberts not out of retirement but putting them back in these rom-com roles and I guess like at one point you're like oh, it's not that groundbreaking to bring in Julia Roberts case like mm. 
a thin white privileged woman back to screen. But she's in her 50s now, which I enjoy. And I also feel like streaming services like Netflix and Stan have started to make more movie rom-coms with more diverse casts, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, across the board, which is good. And there's a huge market for those. Like things are getting better. But there is something very magical about watching Julia Roberts in a rom-com again. I agree. And knowing that she and George Clooney are going to fall in love again and they're (laughs) dancing and drunk and I love it. All I can say is if Kate Hudson signs on to a rom-com next, I'm going to lose my mind. The dream. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. So Chris Pratt has given a new interview to Men's Health addressing the growing online and media backlash and the Chelsea McLaughlin backlash (laughs) against him for the first time in depth. So the interview is titled How Chris Pratt Became the People's Chris, interesting title, and then goes on to say, blockbuster movie star, beloved co-worker, stand-up dad, and all-around good hang. Wow. (laughs) So why is Chris Pratt the subject of so many Twitter pylons? He has a few theories. The story kicks off by saying, Chris Pratt is halfway through a set of 100 pull-ups. His hands like two giant meat puppets gripping (laughs) the bar. So my question is, does this journalist want us to hate Chris Pratt more than most people already do? Because it's almost like the title of the story, How He Became the People's Chris, is like inviting criticism, knowing that people are already like very against him. Calling him an all-around good hang is just like inviting people to taunting. And then all I can think about all the way through this article where he talks about some really serious Mm. stuff because the journalist does hold him to account for a few different things that have happened and a few headlines and does push him. But all I can think about the whole time I'm reading this is that he has hands like giant meat puppets. <laughs> That's a horrible description. Right? When I saw the headline, I was straight away like defensive because I was like, he's not in any way, shape or form the people's Chris. Yeah, I feel like Chris Evans is the people's exactly. Chris. Exactly. Or Chris Pine is the, who just walks through like little indie bookstores <laughs> and like rescues stray puppies is the people's Chris. Exactly. And so I'm like, one... Where do they get this from? And two, I think, yeah, it's a ploy. It's getting engagement because everyone's like, this is not right. He's wrong. So I feel like, you know, it was clever and also infuriating. So speaking with that worst Chris idea, one of the first kind of points that the interview gets into is saying there's a meta narrative hanging over today's conversation. And it stems from one of the dumber yet more stubbornly persistent internet memes. The worst, Chris. You've seen this, yeah? It went viral and resurfaces periodically on Twitter, with fans debating the merits or demerits of the superhuman Hollywood Chrises. So Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, who plays Captain America, and Chris Pine, who plays Captain Kirk. So you remember when that happened. It was a meme that came out about why he was the worst, Chris. Took over the internet, and why I think it really made headlines is that So many of his famous co-stars, all his male co-stars, like all the guys who are in the Avengers movies and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, seem to get really angry and take it really personally and like really jump in to defend him. Yeah, so you had like Robert Downey Jr. come out and defend him. You had Mark Ruffalo on Twitter being like, no, he's a really great guy. You had Josh Gad. You had James Gunn, the director as well. Everyone just came out and was like, I can't believe this injustice. (laughs) He's not the worst Chris. And it was just like, it felt so fragile. Like... 
this is just a bunch of people on Twitter. It's an internet meme. It's not life or death. And then when you contrast it to the way in which someone like a Brie Larson, for example, who was Captain Marvel, she spoke about needing to have better representation within movies. And then you had your Marvel fans come out and like pile on her for months and months of harassment. And she got death threats and all this kind of stuff. And none of the co-stars came out and defended her. And so when you contrast those two things, like one's a stupid internet meme about how he's the worst Chris, which... He is the worst. <laughs> yeah. And one is like a genuine, like important conversation that we need to be having. And it just felt so hollow. Yeah, exactly. That was my issue with the best, worst Chris situation is how much time these men with these huge platforms were putting into defending Chris Pratt, which I wouldn't have cared about except for it was coming off the back of the Brie Larson thing. And even when Captain Marvel came out, there was a whole online campaign, you know, designed to take her down, Mm. take that movie down. A lot of the hate towards her was like really sexually explicit. I don't think too many people from the Marvel Universe came forward. I think maybe Don Cheadle potentially Mark Ruffalo were like, hey, this is not cool, but no one else said anything about it. The same time with like the women on the cast of Black Panther have been subjected to a lot of racial abuse online. Even Scarlett Johansson, like she doesn't cop it as much because I think people kind of see her as maybe more protected by the Marvel Universe. But in the lead up to Black Widow coming out, you know, some of the sexual abuse and hate towards her was very intense. And I didn't really see anyone getting upset about that either. But then you say something bad about Chris Pratt and it's all hands on deck. It's like he really, really wants us to like him. I'm sure everyone wants to be liked on like a, you know, base level. But why? I feel like, okay, maybe it's more accurate that like the studios want him to tell us that he wants us to really like him. Maybe it's like a marketing thing where he's kind of unpopular and they're like, you've got a lot going on, dude. You need to make sure that people like you. I don't know. It just feels really disingenuous to me. And I feel like it's in this case, backfired because it's made me dislike him more. Yeah, exactly. It's a big PR swing. It hasn't quite come off, I think, the way they planned it to. But I can see why, you know, his own team, along with Disney and Marvel and that whole massive machine that he works for, I can see why they're trying to kind of get him back on track because he's in the most recent Thor movie. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is coming out and that's going to be a massive movie for Marvel. And I think they really want people to be on side with him. And I think the interesting thing is like, he's coming from a place of being beloved in the past. Like he was for a while there known as the sweet, funny, very lovable comedy guy. You know, people loved him from Parks and Rec. And they mentioned this interview that the Parks and Rec text chain is blowing up the whole time we're together. And I think they're trying to say like his co-stars still love him. And then he went on to be in a lot of comedy movies. And in this article, they kind of wonder if his body transformation, so becoming this kind of muscly, macho Hollywood guy and becoming a leading man in blockbusters like Guardians and Jurassic Park has also made people dislike him, which is kind of an interesting thought because it says in the article, the journalist writes, I started to wonder if the fans who loved him as Disgusting Donald in 2011's rom-com What's Your Number, so that was opposite his ex-wife Anna Faris, felt betrayed the same way women reportedly did when Adele revealed her recent body transformation. Which is an interesting thought because something that I think doesn't get touched on a lot is that he always wanted to be a leading man of these big movies, but was never given that opportunity because he was seen as, in his own words, like pudgy and overweight. And he said in this interview once, that's kind of always stuck in my head when he was being asked about how he got into Marvel. He said, you know, they really should give casting directors Oscars because that can be make or break for a movie. And he talks about there being one particular casting director 
who worked from the Marvel Disney machine, who saw him as this kind of overweight yet funny guy on TV and was like, that's our next leading man. He's got the charisma. We just have to make him look, and this is all so problematic, Mm. but we just have to make him look like a leading man and, you know, effectively made him lose weight and gain muscles and stuff. And that was such a huge takeaway when Guardians first came out. Do you remember that? Everyone's like, oh my God, Chris Pratt is hot. Now I like him. Mm. And people loved him so much then. And now I think because he's like lent so far into that, I wonder if maybe people do think differently about him. I don't know if I'd say betrayed. I don't think anyone felt betrayed by Adele, but it's almost like it was just this reminder that you can't be a Hollywood star until your body looks a certain way. And I feel like now we can't see him as that lovable guy anymore because now he's like so much talking about weight loss and muscle Mm. definition and the fact that he knew he couldn't be successful until he looked a certain way, which is so problematic. But I wouldn't say it's the only reason because the religion stuff in here, I think, is also a really key factor. The religion stuff is really interesting. Basically, like for the last two years, sort of off the back of that 2020 worst Chris stuff, a lot of the reasons that people were giving for him being the quote unquote worst Chris was because of his religious sort of background and a church that he went to and just sort of like there were questions about his church and how they had non-LGBTQ affirming statements and then... Pratt actually issued a statement around that time saying, It has recently been suggested that I belong to a church which hates a certain group of people and is infamously anti-LGBTQ. Nothing could be further from the truth. I am a man who believes that everyone is entitled to love who they want, free from judgment of their fellow man. And so this all went down, and then in this most recent interview, he's saying that he's not actually very religious. And it just feels like quite a weird 180 And that's what people have been calling out quite a bit over the last couple of days. Yeah, exactly. Because so much of that stems from the fact that he went on the Stephen Colbert show in 2019 talking about his religion. And then Elliot Page, who is a transgender actor and has been getting a huge amount of, you know, public hate since they've, you know, been kind of speaking in that space and putting their transformation in the public eye. Basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, like, hey, dude, you're talking up a religion, you're part of a religion that is actively putting my life in danger. And you've got such a big platform. And I think him saying, I never went to Hillsong. You know, I've never been there. I don't know anyone from that church. And the journalist here does push him at the time and say, well, why didn't you just say that? And then he gets into this idea that he didn't want to throw a church under the bus and he's not kind of aware of what they do when he goes to a different church. It's been linked with some other problematic issues. And then it also notes in the article that he executive produced a film in 2017 that equated sexual brokenness with same-sex attraction. And so there is kind of muddy waters there, just in terms of like, not that you want to get into anyone's kind of like full religious background Mm. or anything like that. But I think people are just saying like, hey, your name's been attached to some pretty, it's not about the religion itself. Because he talks about getting up on an award show and saying like, God is real, God loves you and stuff. And I think he's saying that people are angry at him for that. But I think reading between the lines, people are more angry about some statements he's actually said, some projects he's worked on, and some specific groups that he's attached himself with that have a really anti-LGBTQ message, not the fact that he says he believes in God. Yeah. And then on that, in this recent interview, kind of almost rejecting that as a premise and just being like, actually, I'm not religious at all or like not very religious, which is blatantly not true because we know like he's constantly posting about religion on social media and that kind of thing. And he's talked about it and like you said, spoken at award shows. So it feels like it's, it's like a damage control situation happening. 
also it wasn't the issue with religion. It was that idea of like putting like men above women and women should be subservient because he put up a photo of his wife, Catherine Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter, in case anyone didn't put that together. (laughs) She was looking at him and smiling and he wrote next to the picture, find someone who looks at you the way my wife looks at me. And he was saying it was just a joke and he was trying to say he was thankful, but people took that as him being very like subservient. And even her mother, Maria Shiva, I remember putting the comments like, well, now post a picture of you looking at her and say something nice as if like you're jerk. And then also it's really touched on for the first time here that in that same picture, he put up a statement saying that he thanked her for a healthy daughter. And a lot of people have equated that with the fact that his son, Jack, with his ex-wife, Anna Farris, was born premature, has had a huge amount of health issues, was in hospital for a really long time. It's something that Anna Farris has talked about a lot and been really open about. And he has too, to be fair. And a lot of people were saying like, well, you're saying like the first kid was essentially a dud because he had health issues and this is your new perfect, healthy, religious child. Which is a lot to take from an Instagram caption. Of course, I feel like there was a bit of projecting there, yeah. but it's come off the fact that he does put this out there. And to that, he said, that was so fucked up. My son's going to read that one day. He's nine and now it's etched in digital stone. It really fucking bothered me, dude. I cried about it. Which is a fair statement. Yeah, there's so much in that interview. I guess like the main sort of point is that he's become this like big mythical thing of like everything that's wrong in Hollywood with like you know your privileged white dude who's got a fragile ego and I'm sorry Chris Pratt if that's mean also he doesn't like to be called Chris just yeah, exactly. There's a point. whole other podcast. In That's that. a whole other thing. <laughs> well, we will link the men's health interview in the show notes so you can have a read of the full Chris Christopher Pratt, Mr. <laughs> Pratt, whatever it wants to be called, interview. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. As we mentioned, there is a Spill Instagram now. Very exciting. So we're going to be sharing a lot of content over there, some recommendations and some behind-the-scenes stuff from the show. So you can follow us on Instagram at The Spill Podcast. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick and Gia Moylan with audio production by Rhiannon Mooney. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.